Hello, Kev here from Postcards from Hell. Cal and I are happy to welcome you to our podcast. You'll be hearing this episode in just a few moments. But before we get to that, let's set a couple of ground rules. First things first, Postcards from Hell was designed to be a place of real, genuine conversation. No topic is off limits, nothing in this podcast is scripted, and nothing will ever be censored. Cal and I are just average people with average jobs living average lives. We're not claiming to be experts in a damn thing. We're just looking for real conversations about real topics from real people. Because that's us. That's who we are. All right. Now that that's out of the way, let's just sit back, buckle up, and enjoy another episode of Postcards from Hell. today, Kev. How much, buddy? How you been? Oh, stressed out, man. Stressed out. From what? Well, we're a week out from the election, and uh, we really don't have any closure. Ugh. I'm fatigued from it, man. I tell you what, man. Then take top of that, it's the you know it's the change of the year. We're going into winter, and for us, business is slowing down. And yeah, yeah, it's a we- it's a weird time. You know, it's always been my favorite time of year. October, November, December, I'm, you know, big holidays dork, and I go over the top. Typically, I mean, definitely always go over the top for Christmas and usually Halloween, but I don't know. This season, it just seems to be rougher, man. I know it's 2020. I know it's COVID year. I know it's election year, but this week alone, I've lost two friends. It's been unbelievable for me. You Um, lost two friends this week. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. It's been a brutal, brutal week. Um, one was just uh, the sweetest lady. She was coming to see our shows all the time, all the time. Her and her husband and sometimes her son would come out. And they were just the sweetest couple. That that, that was their nights. You know, that was their date nights. Um, they would uh, they'd make it a point to, to come out and see us. They said, well, we, we get more entertainment value seeing you guys than buying tickets to big shows and all that. You know, we we come, we see where you guys are playing. We get a dinner. We have, you know, whatever, and we enjoy our time. They got to be friends. And, you know, she was just this sweet little old lady type of grandma type, you know, made homemade applesauce. Oh, my God, dude. Homemade applesauce. The best, huh? You just can't, you can't buy it. You know, that's one of those truly wonderful things in life that you just can't buy. And if you haven't had homemade applesauce from a sweet old lady that makes it by hand in her own little kitchen, jars it all up and cans it for you and then puts it in a box and brings it to your show and says, here, love you guys. This is for you. And then it was like, how you doing on applesauce? Need any more? more else? They'd come to every show. And then it was homemade pickles and nobody makes pickles like little old ladies, you know? Yeah. And, um, they just got to be good friends. I mean, they'd come out to all our shows. We'd go to them. We've had dinner with them. We've, we've hung out with them. Uh, you know, her husband is a minister and he is just adamant. Like if I ever get married, when I get married, he's the one that wants to do it. <laughs> and, uh, my God, I, I don't know. I haven't, <clears throat> I don't know. It's really unfair. You know, she, she was a little bit older, but, um, my God, what a sweet lady. And, and the last few years of her life were a little, it, they weren't, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it was just difficult. So I think that's 
heading into this time of year and all that. Next time I do a show and her husband shows up without her, I think that's when it's going to really knock me out, you know? Um, and I think it's affected Mandy too. It's been, it's just, we feel like we're kind of surrounded by it right now. And another one that was really surprising, much closer to my age. Um, I mean, not much older than me at all. And, uh, and she passed real suddenly and she's very young and, uh, just absolutely devastated her husband and her, her, her family, her kids. It's just unfair. I mean, this woman didn't even make it to 60. You talk about the nicest, sweetest person and the, and the greatest guys in the world. Uh, her two sons and her, and her husband. I just how do you I, I just, how do you even process that? I mean, as as a, as their family, like how do you even how do you even okay? You know, some somebody in your close family, managed gone today. What do you do? Well, that that's just what this is doing with you know with me being fifty. Uh, I remember looking back and thinking, wow, I'm in my late 20s, I'm in my early 30s, and and older relatives, you know, started getting ill and dying, and, and you start losing people. And you think, well, yeah, I man, it's kind of in the back of your mind somehow. It's always, it's always tragic to lose someone. It just is. When you get that out of the way and say that, always tragic. But when it's, it's unexpected, when, when they're when they're young, when they play such a prominent role in the family, they're so important and vital. They're a cornerstone of the family. It's uh I don't know. It's uh, it's probably it's something else. I can only imagine. I don't even know how to how how would you go forward? Well, and, you know, how do you go to work every day, or how do you? Yeah, that's what I asked. I saw the post, one of the posts that he, her husband posted last night, and I just thought, my God, it's the exact words I would probably have used. You know, um, if Mandy, God forbid, anything would happen like that to me, and you just don't know. I mean, I'm sitting here right now going, God, if that ever happened. But it was not that long ago that we're sitting at the table with these two lovely people, you know, and having the time of our lives. And she's a young, beautiful, healthy woman. And it's just gone. Just do, you mind, do you mind saying exactly what happened? Uh, what I understand, um, they've been very, you know, private. It's a, it's a rough time for them. Okay, gotcha. It was just a very aggressive, very rare uh, form of cancer that just showed up and killed her. And that was it. And it's tragic and it's unfair and it pisses me off. And I'm not dealing with her death well. And the reason is, is that they're so much closer to my age. Seeing the older lady that went, I mean, you, 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 she's a great grandma mother many times over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not to say it's okay, but if you've had a long run and she's had battling illness forever and, you know, you prepare for that. You always kind of know in the back of your mind, well, you know, my grandparents are going to go and my parents are going to go. And as sad as that is, you're ready for it. But everyone says the, the, there's nothing in the world like losing a child. Well, I can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine bearing that. If something, God forbid, would happen to Mandy and I had to go on to Facebook and post um, anything, Seeing his words last night on that post felt like this is how I would say. It. I wouldn't say, here are the arrangements for my wife's funeral. He said, you know, these are the arrangements for my beautiful wife's funeral. Because he just can't. He's not okay, you know. This, he, he's not. And uh, God, you sit right there and just think, Jesus. So you how just put yourself he, in that position every how, single time. I asked Mandy, uh, how did he even type that? I don't know if I can hold a phone. I don't know. I mean, you get through it. He's got his boys. He's got to be strong. He's got stuff going on. Because that's the thing is it's not like he's a single guy. He has responsibilities to his two sons. That's right. So yeah. how do you go on and parent? I mean, yeah. parenting takes a lot out of you with two people. 
How do you go on a parent after that? I don't know. It's but. just it's just not fair. And 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 it sounds so stupid and it sounds so cliche, but my God, just oh if you look back, oh, if you look back at the amount of hours that we have wasted fighting with each other. Uh anybody. But man, in that relationship, the the petty bullshit, little arguments and disagreements that get in the way. If I added all that time up and I put it at the end of my life and said, here, dumbass, here's every minute you spent arguing. Here's every minute you spent in the silent treatment. Here's every minute you pissed away giving the, sh- the cold shoulder. What's that tally up to? A week? A month? Years? What would we give at the time of our life that it's over? What would we give to have that time again? What would we give to have that back? To not have pissed it away. But when you're sitting here at 25, 35, 45, 55, you think you got 20, 30, 40 years. Hell, I got I years. I got away. years. I could blow away a night. Don't worry I'll about it. I'll fix it eventually. And then one day you get a phone call and you hear that word and then that's it. And then a couple months later, it's just gone. I, I don't, you know, that's what life is, man. And I have to, I have to, you Everyone has to sort of deal with that. I guess the only thing we can do is the same old cliche line that we've heard over and over and over. You have to make the most for the day. You have to make the most of your time. And that I don't think that means being productive and never taking a break and go, go, go. I just mean figure out what is important to you, figure out what matters the most, and invest your time accordingly. And this is going to sound maybe a little melodramatic, and that's okay. But on top of that, you know, your friend's story and what he's what he's going through. Um, with his wife, you got to think it's like the worst time possible period ever period. You know, what a, what a terrible way to camp 2020, a historically God awful year. I think we could both agree, you know, you're going into the holiday season, two boys mm-hmm. by yourself. And I mean, let's be honest, even if that situation didn't happen, it's already, a, I mean, it's, it's a rough time for a lot of people. It's a nightmare of a year. It's a real thing. You know, when we had that shutdown, oh man, it did it did give me at least an opportunity to go, all right, this is what's important. This is this is what's been missing in my life. A little bit of time. A little bit of time at home. A little bit of time with the kids. It's just go, 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 go. Everybody's got so many things to do. They're so much more important. Would you say that? Um, so you just said that you know, you actually value the time, which I think everybody did to start out with. Do you think that um being home for what were you home two months, two mm-hmm. and a half months? Um, do you think that affected your mental health at all? Because um, they, they say that, you know, um, that's what the big thing that the mental health uh, officials of the world are saying is um, with this new presidency, there's a good chance that we're going to go into another shutdown. Um, he's talked about it. I mean, listen, I'm not saying it's a bad or good thing. It, it's just probably going to happen. Um, and so a lot of mental health officials, you know, across the world are saying, I don't know if that's a great idea, especially going into the holiday season. Um, depression's already a very real, powerful thing, you know, and this is when it's at its worst. And a lot of people think that's dramatic for me to say. I mean, would you agree with that? I don't think it's dramatic. But I think, I think that, the world feels like that's dramatic. Yeah. Well, sometimes people just don't want to talk about it. Sometimes people don't want to hear about it. I mean, let's let's face it, man. What we're talking about right now is not the subject for a beautiful summer day with the top down <laughs> and the radio blaring and you just got paid and it's like, hey, 
I'm going to listen to postcards from hell and talk about depression. And yeah, death. let's do it. Yeah. But it is part of life. And I, I think there is a lesson to be learned here and you can take it from COVID. You can take it from shutdown. You can take it from the election. You can take it to all this stuff. I saw a post the other day that said, you know, Hey, was he worth it? Was it worth picking Trump over me? You know, family members and yeah. things like that. I thought, yeah, man, we've let this, we've let this tear us apart. We've let this get too big. We've let this come between us. Two fucking old men that don't even know my name, and I'm going to worry about it and fight with my family about it. Neither one of those two guys gives a shit about me. And listen, I I think, I mean, not talking politics really the last week, but I I feel like because of all of the court cases, like we're in limbo. I feel so much in limbo right now. Like uh, we can't move on. We can't, well, we, go, can't. we can't go forward. Like we're, we're, we're stuck here. We're stalemated. In purgatory. You know, and it, uh, I don't know for me, it's, uh, well, it's also that it's, it's not to cut you off, but, um, you were just kind of rambling. So it was really no harm or foul and cutting you off. Cause you were <laughs> saying <you>. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, though, is that, um, yeah, it's th the anxiety of not knowing is compounded by not knowing what he's going to do or what the other side's going to do. How and that's, and that's, bad is this going to get? And that's anxiety. You know, I, that's situational depression. That's probably not real depression. Mm. But it, I mean, it, it still takes its effect on people. I mean, I feel, I don't know about you, but I just feel, I feel anxious all the time. Mm -hmm. I woke up in the middle of the night the other night and I, I was sweating and I was just like, I felt like I was going to have a panic attack mm. just because, I mean, this year is, uh, <laughs> it's been noteworthy to say the, say the least. Mm. Um, and it, I feel like I can't move forward. And so, I don't know. I guess today I kind of want to talk about, um, there's a lot of people that I've talked to in the last week, friends who, uh, they're going, you know, with the election, with COVID and the pandemic and going to the holiday season. And, you know, it's getting colder and business is slowing down. There's a lot of people struggling with depression right now and they can feel it. Um, and this is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. And so actually today I brought a, I'm bringing a guest on. Um, and our next segment, um, her name is Laura. She's a friend of mine and Laura has struggled with depression her entire life. Um, and she's going to kind of talk about her struggle, especially right now compared to, um, in years past. And she's, she says it's at its worst it's ever been, you know, did, she, did her depression start when her friendship with you began? It, it did. Yeah. Cause that's exactly. what, it's weird. Now that you say that, that yeah. we probably might've made a breakthrough. Yeah. That's I think not. if you just never talk to her again. <laughs> oh, shut up, Kev. You love me. It, um, I fucking hate your guts, I but you definitely, love me, man. I definitely can trace some of my more depressing <laughs> times. Um, oh. You know, is like BC and AC <laughs> before Cal and after Cal. Oh, thank you. My depression levels have... Uh, Spiked a little bit. Eh? I don't mean to make light of that, but... Uh, I, I deal with depression too. I mean, if we're going to have full disclosure, I, it's something I battle with and it's something that I've resisted help for and over the years. And you don't like to talk about it. I noticed people don't like to talk about yeah. it. It's well, uncomfortable. Yeah. Because, uh, it, it's seen as like a huge vulnerability and like half the population doesn't even believe in it. Right. Oh, you know, that's everybody's depressed these days. You know, right. I, there is a certain truth to it. I'm sure there's just like with everything, there's people that abuse it and, you know, sure. use it to seek, just seek attention. Um, but it's a very real thing. And my family comes from um, a lot of um, mental health um, issues, I would say. And so, I don't know, it's an issue that really sticks with me. Um, and yeah, I guess my entire life, I was like terrified I was going to have it. 
Mm. Like, because <laughs> it's gen genetic, you know, it's hereditary. Mm. My entire life, oh God, I'm feeling sad right now. <laughs> yeah. Do I have it? You know, is, is yeah. it, uh, do, do I have depression? Well, it, it may be something that you want to keep a close eye on. In, in the time that I was, in, in my time growing up and living at home with my parents, um, it wasn't anything that anybody talked about. It wasn't a, a word. It was it, it, Depression was, well, something happened, he's depressed. It wasn't an illness. It, it was all situational. Right. So the, there was this idea looking back on my dad and how we lived and how he lived. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that man was severely, severely clinically depressed. And you always wonder, you know, I have people in, in my life like that too. And you always wonder, what if they got help? Right. What would our relationship be better? Right. How but, is it? How would he interact with this world? Would he be a happier person? Oh, yeah. Or she? Could have dealt with it, you know, if so, if my dad, but men, especially you talk about it's it, a vulnerability. They yeah. don't like it. Yep. You talk about being a taboo or a topic that, that men, it's just the idea for men is eh, snap out of it. That was wrong with you. Come on. It's because it's like, it's like uh people don't like, it's like you've been diagnosed with like a terminal illness or something. No, it's they, almost, that's how they treat it. It's a weakness. And it like, you got leprosy. Yeah. You know? And since it's not a thing that you can just look at and say, wow, that looks like it hurts or that's a visible wound or a scar. Cause or you can only know unless you're stepping in that person's shoes, which right. is what makes it difficult. Right. You know, you break your arm in front of me. I'm like, yeah, that probably fucking hurts. Yeah. Well, I remember fighting with my dad all the time because he would just be the, he's was one of the just depressed, severely clinically depressed. And I would fight with him. Like, do you have to be depressed about man you got good money and a good house and a good yard and a good wife and two kids that don't give you any problem at all you know and, and all you you're just miserable for what most men if you look at the timeline of of human beings what any man that has ever lived on earth would give to have his life in the grand timeline of things yeah he yeah. wasn't a billionaire but he had a damn good life it's kind of ironic though you got um everybody you know everybody's like 2020 is a bad year but it literally is the best time to be a human. I agree. Right now. It is it has never been easier. It's never been less painful. Um, feelings have never been less hurt. And yet, I feel like as a population, we're, we've never been more depressed. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I think you're right. Why is that? Because we don't have much to show for... <sighs> Look, when we go into work... And we leave work, it's the exact same place. And for years and years and years and years and years, people would go and do something. You could step back from it and say, I built that. I did that. And, and struggling, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, helps fight depression. When you're struggling. It does, doesn't it? Yes. Humans love the struggle. When you have a struggle. They love the battle. You have a point. You have a reason to keep going. And if you are struggling for food, well, Getting enough food will alleviate that depression. Yes. When you're struggling for shelter and you get shelter, that alleviate that depression. When you're struggling for health care, a vehicle, blah, blah, blah. These things, as you get them, they make you happy. The problem is more of them doesn't make you happier. You know, you mentioned something to me yesterday. I, I think I came up to you. I was like, you know, Kev, I just, and it was a tough conversation. I said, uh, I feel like. The problem is I'm just exhausted from trying to find the next interesting thing to keep me interested. Yeah. And whether it's a person or something I bought or a place I want to go. And I'm exhausted from trying to find the next thing after these things, materialistic things in my life. Um, eventually I lose interest in them. Mm -hmm. And you said, Kale, that's, or Kale, that's not healthy. Um, and that's, 
you're probably just trying to, uh, you know, you got a void somewhere and you're just trying to fill it with, with things to keep your mind off. Um, the true problem. Yeah. I think that's a human condition that we hurt and we are empty and we try to stuff that hole with everything that life says, this will cure it. And when it doesn't, we become depressed. And, um, there's also, I mean, chemical issues with that depression, but it's a serious deal. It's a real deal. It gets worse around the holidays. It's worse around election time. It's worse. Oh my God, a global pandemic. And right now I feel like I'm kind of surrounded by death. So, um, <laughs> so guys, I'm, if this hasn't been a cheery podcast already, just wait till next segment when we bring on somebody <laughs> with depression guys. Um, so real quick, um, I'm, we're going to go cut to a break here real quick, but next time, um, when we come back, we're going to have Laura on a friend of mine. And she's going to talk about um, her experience um, with depression and kind of the therapy she went through and um, really her interaction with people after she tells them, um, which is something I find really interesting. Um, you think that we have this big welcoming world, but really, you if you hear her from some of her experiences, not really. People hold that against her often. So real quick, guys, we're going to be right back. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back, guys. So, like I said, we have a guest today. Um, her name is Laura. Introduce yourself, Laura. Hey, everybody. Yep. So, we were kind of talking, touching a little bit on it um, before the break, talking about, um, you know, the time of year it is, um, the year it is with the pandemic and COVID and going into winter. Uh, a lot of people right now are struggling with depression and talking about how, um, in a lot of ways, it's misunderstood. Um, and so, you have had uh personal experience i guess with that problem um i don't know if you out of curiosity what was the age you kind of realized that was going to be an issue for you um well i didn't associate the word with what i mean i felt troubled since i was ever since i can remember since i was young but i didn't know what it was until i would say in my 20s Okay. Um, you, like you said, you don't, you really didn't attribute the word depression. Is that because you think, uh, you think society didn't really use the word depression yes. very often? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and yeah, I, I lived kind of a sheltered life, but, um, people, the, the, the awareness of mental health was not what it is now. And I think a lot of the reason is that People that were are my mom's age, they just didn't talk about that stuff, at least in my family. They didn't bring that up. Everything was more brushed under the rug than what it is now. So there was not that much awareness. Um, the pharmaceutical industry, I don't think, really blew up until probably the mid-80s with the invention of Prozac. So I think it was misunderstood, and most people just didn't talk about it. I mean, even today... Um Definitely. I mean, they have a mental mental health awareness day. I mean, it's uh, it's more widely accepted, but there's still quite a bit of backlash. I um, believe there always will be. You kind of mentioned to me, get on the show, kind of nervous about it, actually. Um, you get a lot of flack or you've gotten a lot of flack in your life um, talking about your depression and kind of opening up to people and talking about what it's like and mm -hmm. uh, not always getting a great response. Yes. That in fact, sometimes they use it against you. You know, like it's like yeah. it's a like it's a handicap that they can use to attack you sometimes. Well, I think initially when the people that really hurt me over things that I shared with them that I thought that I could trust implicitly 
um, were relationships that I had had. I never had that issue with girlfriends. Uh, relationships that I've had, um, they, you know, I would share my struggles and then eventually when things went bad and they just became very angry, they, they would throw that back into my face and basically put the responsibility of the issue of the, the relationship all on me ultimately probably made it easier for them to. And there's probably a layer of unbelief, a layer of, uh, well, she's just dramatic. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they get into um, relationships, they are like, oh, this, you know, this person, I love them and I can love the depression or anxiety out of them, which is not the case. It's always there. It's always there, but a supportive person really can make a huge difference in your life. Run me through the kind of the timeline. So you talked about, you know, you realize that there you had an issue, but you didn't really call it depression. Um, when did you finally like, okay, I need to, I need to see somebody on this. This is, it's, it's becoming uh, a big roadblock in my life. Well, when I was young, I mean, under the age of 10, I remember being sad and anxious and worried all the time. And I cried a lot. I was really attached to my mom. And so when she would go bowling every week, I would cry secretly in bed when my dad would babysit because I was afraid something bad was going to happen to my mom. Um, but I would say around the age of 20, um, I realized that my anger, because I was just irritated a lot, but I, then I just became more angry and I would lash out at people that I cared about. And then I remember talking to a therapist and I hadn't been on any medications at that time. And she suggested that I go and see a psychiatrist. So I went to a psychiatrist upon her suggestion. And uh, that's kind of where I started thinking that I needed some help with the depression that I have. Because you were actually diagnosed with bipolar at one point. Yes, I was. I would say around 2009 or so, I was diagnosed by uh, by a doctor with bipolar disorder. And I never done a lot of research on this stuff. And I never felt that that was quite right based on my mood patterns. And I kept telling him that he had put me on lithium. And he just wouldn't take me off of it. He He would not prescribe any... SSRIs like Prozac, Paxil, because he thought that they caused you to become manic. Well, my the mood issues that I had were not um, the same cycles as what you get with bipolar. So, you know, bipolar you, it's it lasts longer, and you have the highs where you go out and then you you know you you gamble or you sleep with people and you're careless and then the lows, like you can't get out of bed. Now I know that's probably not all like that, but I definitely didn't have those extremes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I know when, when I was on the lithium, it did absolutely nothing for me for years. So how does it um, influence, I mean, your daily life? I mean, what kind of run us through what goes through your head and uh, you know, how, how do you, how do you get through, how do you get through your day in a lot of ways? Because is it like an everyday occurrence or is it kind of just a sporadic, okay, right today I'm feeling down. Like today I feel it more than, than usual. Yeah, I definitely have days where it's more than usual. And the thing is, um, 
the extra wonderful fun friend that came along within the last 10 years is anxiety, <laughs> which is, you know, more anxiety when I realized that it was anxiety. So it's like, I'm, I'm anxious for the, within the first hour that I wake up until I go to bed. I have some kind of anxiety. I'm always worried about something. I'm always on edge. Sadness, uh, I have to deal with that most of the time. I always have, but um, I have found ways over the years to help me uh, manage it better. And now I know, I, I didn't ever know that the way that I felt wasn't necessarily reality. I thought that I had to do things based on if I, how I felt. So if I felt bad, I felt like that, um, I felt like it was my fault. And if I felt good, that that meant that I was doing something right. I didn't realize that my feelings were not actually facts and that you don't do things just based on your feelings. I didn't even know that until the last 10 years. That's, that's an amazing um, realization. <clears throat> and some people are just born with the, the tools naturally to be able to say, wait a minute, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm upset about this, but I'm not going to react to it immediately. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't born with that. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have that. I had to learn. And it's actually the, the last therapist, therapist I've had now for about five years is the one that kind of opened my eyes to all that stuff. Like just cause you feel shitty doesn't mean that you have to act out on it and be sad and not do anything about it and just lay around and watch Netflix all day long. You know, there's things that you can do. And just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's reality. So I feel like all this time I've been living in my own reality when it's not when I took something the wrong way that somebody might have said to me. I thought that it had everything to do with me when in fact it had to do with them and something else they were going through or they weren't even being an asshole. I just took it because of the inflection of their voice. So you say you overanalyze. Um, oh my gosh, overthink. It's, you think that's because of you or you think that's uh, kind of a facet of of your depression? Well, I think that overthinking, I don't know, I guess that they go hand in hand. I mean, I've always been painfully self-aware and uh, they say ignorance is bliss. So people that are just, um, you know, kind of clueless, then, you know, they, they seem to be happier, I feel like. But the people that are overly self-aware are very intelligent because I am, <laughs> and, um, but they're also overthinkers and um, they analyze everything that they do. They tend to blame, I think, their self for a lot of things too. It's funny if you go into, uh, if you're talking to a friend group and you mention the word depression, it's like <laughs> nothing scatters people faster. And it's really, <laughs> you know, it's really true. Honestly, the stigma, I think, around um, mental health and depression, unfortunately, it's like world peace. I think it's going to be something that I mean, you can't get everybody to accept or be comfortable with it. And so I think that there's always going to be an issue, but it is so helpful to know that there are so many millions of people that are struggling with issues. You know, I mean, I belong to some groups on, on Facebook with that. And um, some of them are just like, wow, I didn't know anybody else had this weird quirk or these weird thoughts. And now I, now I know that they do and just, and, 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 you know, girlfriends that I have and, and things like that, they struggle with it. One thing that we talked about before you came in, um, was the difference between situational depression and actual depression, um, which are two key, key differences and you probably treat them a lot differently. Situational depression is just, you probably go 
um, maybe get counseling, it goes away. You know, I mean, I feel like there's probably a whole group of the population right now that has situational depression. Yes. Um, just because, uh, obviously, obviously, because of their situation. Um, what would you say are the red flags that you came across? You're like, okay, this is something more. What would you say for people listening, wondering if they have depression, if they don't have depression? What were the key factors? You're like, okay, this isn't normal. This isn't just uh, today. This isn't every day. This is like, there's something going on. Well, because I mean, honestly, right now I've got great things going on in my life. I've attained a, a really good job. I get to work virtually right now. Lucky which, you. Yeah. Which is something that I, you know, that I thought that I'd always want to do. And, and I do like it, but I know me and I know that there would be things that I would have to balance so that I could do that as far as not being ice, feeling isolated. But I've got, I mean, I live in a really nice town. I've got a wonderful boyfriend who's extremely supportive. I have more things going for me right now, I feel like, than I've had in a long time. But I still now wake up um, a lot of times in the morning and I feel sad and then I analyze it and I'm like, I really don't have, you know what I mean? The people that I love are healthy and alive. So that is, I think, a hallmark. And even during the summer, and I love the summer and the sun, and even during the summer, I struggled with it. So I think that that's definitely something, if ever, if things are really going right in your life and it's not a, you know, work or whatever situation and it just kind of stays and stays and stays, then I think that that is definitely a hallmark of, of not situational depression. See, that really sticks with me because actually you and I talked about this the other day, Kev. Um, you know, on it, same thing for me. You know, I've never made more money than I'm making in my life right now. I've never had a nicer place than I have right now. I've never had a nicer car than I have right now. I've never had better friends than I have right now. And yet, there's just days I just feel sad for no apparent reason. Everybody, I realized, has those days. Okay, everybody has them. But I guess it just depends on... If your mood, you know, p people can be blue, I think, for a few days and then they'll snap out of it and, and be like, man, that really sucked. But when it just lingers and lingers and lingers and lingers is when, you know, you've got um, a big problem. So um, you mentioned before, and you don't have to share this if you don't want to, but in your relationship right now, does he have a firsthand knowledge of what you're going through? Or is this just someone who doesn't deal with any of it? And is just a good soul going, hey, I'm here for you and, you know, whatever you need. The reason I'm asking is because I have bouts of that too, you know, of, of depression. And, and I, there, there's a guilt that comes along with it oh, yeah. that is so, uh, to me, there are times that the guilt is worse than the actual symptoms. Yes. Uh, because they don't understand like what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. what, what, you know, and I was just saying this to Cal, my dad was the same way growing up. He was just the most unhappy. And there we didn't know the word then. Yep. Depression was, oh, he's down in the dumps. And the solution was snap out of it. Oh, yeah. Come on, we'll snap out. And I was horribly guilty of that to my dad. Like, and I would tell him over and over, you make a ton of money. You have a beautiful home. You have a beautiful wife. You've got it a great matter. son. I'm a great guy. <laughs> you are very lucky to have me. But he was just miserable. And you couldn't, and especially being a man, there's a stigma attached. A little bit worse than I think for what women will go through. Well, my mom could say, oh, well, I'm depressed. Here's a pill. We're good. You know hey what guys, I mean? Guys, I just, they have it wired in them to not let people see weaknesses. No maybe. vulnerability. Yeah, no vulnerability. Because, yeah. exactly. I mean, people act like depression or mental health problems. It's like uh, once you get it, it's like, it's like the plague. You can't, you can't get rid of it. It's just, it's just stuck with you forever. Like it's just a terminal illness that you're always going to have. 
Um, there's no way to deal with it. There's no solution. That's where people lose hope. That's yeah. where, and if you lose hope, then that's, that's the worst feeling. And it's like one of those things, if you say it, you have it, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. can't, you can't even talk about it. People automatically associate, oh, you, forever, you know, countless depression, even though I just, I, you might have just been talking or being inquisitive. Um, and so it's, uh, it's one of those things that's almost kept in secret, um, for majority of life until like you, you'd finally realize, you know what, I'm going to confront this, um, and see what I can to get help. Now is, if you realize, let's say you're diagnosed with depression and you struggle with depression, is there, is there hope for people or is this just kind of how you live your life now? Is there, I mean, there's medication, I'm sure. Um, does any of the medication work? Um, so, sometimes it feels like it does. Um, you know, like anxiety medication um, will usually help me for a few hours. I try not to take that unless I really feel like I, I can't even deal with myself. Like Because you don't want to really be hooked annoying. to something. You don't want to be relying yeah, on something. I don't want to. But, you know, um, it seems like the antidepressants that I've been on, and I've been on quite a few, they will work for a week or two, and then it seems like they just they just stop. It's happened a lot. I've talked to doctors about it, and um, I've heard I've heard them throw on terms like tr uh, treatment resistant. So that's a bummer. <laughs> so basically, they're like, "Hey, this sucks that nothing's going to be a solution." But well, they well, don't say <laughs> that, but because they're always coming up with new medications, and I feel like if I just give up, because I feel all the time like I. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just going to be part of it. But the way that I am, I'm tenacious enough to where I'm like, there's got to be something, there's got to be something. So I keep trying different things. But um, the pharmaceutical company having a field day oh, yeah. with all of this mental health. Oh, you want to try this? You want to try this? Let's put you on this. And then you get the withdrawal symptoms when they take you off of it. And that sucks. Yeah. My first encounter with, I thought maybe I, so I've had, you know, um, my family has a history of, you know, having like things, you know, with depression. And so I guess my entire childhood, I was like terrified. Like, is that, am I going to have it? Is that going to happen to me? You know? And, uh, so it's, it was hard to admit that, Hey, maybe this is a problem for you. And I don't really know if it is or not. I haven't seen anybody, um, that, um, to confirm if I have it or not, but it's, uh, it's terrifying to go. Cause it's like, now I have this even when so long my entire life, I've been trying to discount the fact that you know, like trying to put it away somewhere. Like, there's no way. Just keep saying you don't have it and you don't have it. Um, but I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> uh, my mom and dad are split up. I'd go to my dad's on the weekends. And uh, when I go, whenever I go to my dad's house, I would just cry for like an hour. You know, just, you know, super sad that I'm at my dad's house. And it, was, it wasn't it was my dad in particular. It was just, uh, I don't know. It was uh, maybe outside. It wasn't in the city. I don't know. Because my mom lived in the city. My dad lived in the country. Being out um, in the country maybe made me sad. I'm not sure what it was. Maybe you missed your mom. Could have been. Could have been. <laughs> but um, so I don't know. And that was my first time. I was like, you know, looking back, that was odd. I did that every single time. And my mm. <laughs> my dad absolutely hated that I did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you actually, you told me an interesting thing. Um, you had somebody in your life. You, they couldn't understand your depression at all. Um, and so they said to you, uh, I don't understand how you can be sad. I can just look at a tree and be happy. Yeah, I was in my <laughs> early 20s and pretty naive still that. Um, and then I felt bad. I felt guilty. I'm like, and, and you know, I just, that whole general thing when I was like, what is the heck is my deal? You feel like ashamed and shame feels terrible. 
you feel ashamed, you feel guilty. You're like, oh my gosh, that person is right. What in the heck? I must just be a downer. I must just be. So yeah. And, and then when that turns inward and then you hold on to that is when the real struggle is. But the, the thing is, is it can be hard to know what's situational, environmental, and, and what's just you because things are crazy right now, you know, and I work from home and that causes me issues. So it, it is hard sometimes to know when the seasons are changing. Is there, is there moments in your life where you can, where you can escape it for just a, a little bit? Is there um, moments in life yeah. where you can leave it behind? Yeah. Usually when I am out on the water, because I really like to kayak, I really love the water. I love the summer. When I'm out on a kayak, it's like as soon as I get on that kayak and push off, I feel like everything. I feel like I'm giving myself permission to enjoy life for that while that I'm on, on that boat. Or yoga. When I actually can get into my yoga studio, it's like my body just automatically gives itself permission to not you know, ruminate on the things that I normally might. And so, yes, those things can help. The thing about depression or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just me is a consistency getting up. I've been trying to walk in the morning, getting up and going for that walk in the morning, um, and then being consistent with it and then doing it again the next day can be a difficult thing to do because you absolutely are like, uh, no, I don't want to do this. I want to scroll through TikTok drink a lot of coffee and don't even anybody talk to me. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's okay from time to time, from time to time, you have to be able to give yourself that. The problem that I've found with this is that nothing works very long. No, every single thing you were talking about, do you get a break from it? Well, yeah. You know, when you stop getting a break from it, that's when people call it a day. You know, that's, that's the depth of despair. So, for for me, I don't know. I had the same diagnosis uh, years and years and years ago, but it wasn't a, an official diagnosis because when I came in, I was having some problems and I went through a divorce and it just got the better of me. And, it, and you start asking those questions. What? Why me? How come everybody else seems to be okay with all this? My friends seem to be like, well, he's got a six pack. He got laid. He's not sleeping in the rain. He's happy as can be. Right. <laughs> he literally couldn't be happier. And, I, and you're just miserable and people are jealous you, of it. You're, people give you that you shit. Know. Like, why, why are you, why, what do you have to be depressed about? Snap out of it. So then what do you do? Well, you self-medicate and you learn how to self-medicate. You buy things. Yep. Well, whatever, whatever <laughs> that is, you're stuffing it in that hole. So you, you realize, yeah, oh man, this, a cigarette, a doobie, a drink. A couple of drinks and then beyond that, Aruba or whatever the, you know, the, the hell are you talking about? I, I bought a Roomba the other day. Oh, by the, the way, I named it Eleanor. I used to have a previous Roomba that was named Sophia. Eleanor is way better. Just so you know. Eleanor, that sounds like a mean girl name. So maybe that Roomba is going to kick your dog's ass. I, I, I wouldn't care. Otis needs to know his place. All right. Eleanor is way more productive uh, member of the family than Otis. Than Otis. Yeah, all he does is eat, sleep, and get fat and lay on that bed all day. Eleanor actually pulls her own weight. You should see some of the technology she like, comes with. That sounds like human men and human women. <laughs> hey, look. All right. It's just me, my dog, my Roomba. Just, just leave you. just leave me to leave me to my family. All right. But so I guess going back um, to our conversation, is there anything you would give advice to to the next generation of people who are in the early stages just think back to when you were you know 18 19 20 kind of coming up realizing this is a problem 
is there any advice you would give to the next, the next generation of people um, and how to encounter this, how to deal with it, and um, what the first steps to wherever you are today um, to feeling better? Well, I would say the first thing is do not feel bad. And even if you do feel bad, do it anyways. Reach out to just even talk to somebody because it feels really good to isolate yourself sometimes because then you can wear what you want, be how, how you want. You don't have to brush your teeth or whatever. But that is actually, I find a lot of the time, everybody needs a long time, but that can be really bad for you. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. So you have to make yourself call people, you know, connect with people. It's really important and you have to do it all the time. And it's hard for people to do because they feel stupid and they feel like then they're needy. And, and I, you know what I mean? But you have to do that. That's a habit I got to break myself uh, whenever I had a bad day or um, I'm just not feeling like myself. I'll just lock myself up in this apartment and not, not want to talk to a soul. You know, people will call me, I'll just ignore the phone call and I'll be that way for three or four days. Well, I don't know that there's anything wrong if you, for that if you just need a reset. But if you're feeling like sad to where, you know, you're just crying all the time and um, you don't know what to do, but you don't want to reach out because you don't want somebody to be like, oh, I better call an ambulance. And you're like, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. You know, you just want to. And another thing is if you cannot find a good doctor and a therapist, if you feel like ultimately your gut is saying, this person isn't working for me. I'm not connecting with this person. Don't waste time looking and looking and looking and looking again. Don't ever give up on looking because you will find somebody that clicks with you for a therapist. You will find a doctor that listens to you. I had to go through a lot of doctors before I found one. How that many listened. therapists have you had? Oh my gosh, at least 10. I mean, have you ever been a, th uh, a therapist? Yeah, yeah uh, the first one I went to that gave me that kind of half-assed diagnosis. Um, talk about a guy you don't click with. Um, he well, he also told me he said that I can't really work with you while you're you're drinking and and all this shit. So you need to stop all that, reset everything, give it a month, two months, and then then we'll know what we're dealing with. Was he was he Korean? But you can't give Kev me. Doesn't do well with Koreans. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Just put that out there. <laughs> Weirdo. Um, the doctor that diagnosed me with bipolar. It was what? Korean. It was Korean. Yeah, Do you agree with that diagnosis? Bipolar? Yeah. Absolutely not. I never yeah. did. And I am, uh, you know, I will admit the truth to myself, even if I don't want to. No, I did not. And it wa wasn't just because I didn't want to be bipolar. I wanted to know what it was and put a name on it so that I could figure out how to take care of it. So you could find a solution. Yes. And a solution. And you know, I don't, there's never like an end, like, oh, everything's great now. No, but, but now you know, now you yeah. know what you're dealing with. Yeah. So yeah. It, yeah, I just, um, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. That's okay. This boy. If you, if you agree. I know he's been good at that today. Um, we're talking about if you agree with that diagnosis. Oh or not. yeah, but uh, you, no, I don't. I never have, and I and I still don't. And I I went to um, I went to a doctor after him who had been a doctor longer than him, and you know we talked at length about it a couple times, and he said no, I don't agree with that diagnosis. And I said, well, I would agree with you there. And so no, I do not believe that I have. So that. you're yeah. kind of still in the process of figuring out um what exactly parameters of. I don't have like major depressive order to where I can't get out of bed. I can function. I'm a fun, you know, I go to work. I don't miss work. I, I'm functioning. And actually, um, 
you know, talking outside of work, um, you can come off as really outgoing. You would never know yes. that you struggle. And I think that's another reason people who don't have de- depression can't understand because you seem so happy. You know, I mean, some of the most happy or the most people, some people that committed suicide recently, celebrities, I mean, Robin Williams, some of the happy, you know, one of the happiest guys you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they found out after he died that he actually had, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was something related to Parkinson's. So, but, but it caused, I, I don't know if it was, oh, I don't want to. So it wasn't wrong. depression. It, well, he was depressed, but it was like, I don't know if it was dementia, but his mind. So I don't know. It makes me wonder when he hurt himself, if he was actually like, um, I don't know if you've met like a dementia patient, but yeah, it's like they guy. can't. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. So I don't know if that's why he did or if it was. He suffered with uh, depression and or bipolar for his life. But, yeah, he was funny. And you wouldn't have guessed it just by listening to him or watching his shows. And I feel like most most people with depression, they can seem just like normal, outgoing people majority of the time. Because they have to feel guarded because they don't want to be judged because everybody wants to be loved. They play character. Everybody wants to be accepted and loved. I don't care if they say, I don't care because that's not true. So they hide it because it seems like an ugly thing because everybody is about, I understand being positive and not being negative and the negative word tracks. I mean, I've realized just by analyzing myself that that does not work, but people, you know, it's all about like, uh, you know, positivity. And I totally agree with that, but, um, coming, it can come across with some, you know, the wrong way with somebody that's really struggling with it. Like just be positive and, you know, this is might really make, and it can, and I, I don't disagree with having gratitude and things like that. But when somebody's saying that, sometimes you're like, <sighs> yeah, just don't get it. Or, you know, just, just like, yeah. And it's like, I don't want to say it, but it's just like, man, it, I have just a can, I just have a handful of, of close, close, close friends. And, you know, I, I like a lot of people, but I just have, a, and I feel like these people, they know me, they've seen me be crazy. They've seen me be happy. They've seen me cry and cry and cry. And they've seen me be funny and I've known them for decades. So outside of my circle, it's not that I don't like people. I might come across as a bitch. I might come across as really social and, and friendly. Uh, we don't curse on the show. So you might want okay. you're, you're done. It's okay. okay. what my experience has been with it is that the the level like we touched on earlier is the guilt when you're in a relationship with someone who just doesn't and god love her she's trying so hard to understand and and, but when i have to look her in the face and say uh man i you know i can't do anything today so uh when when you're in that relationship the, the thing that it's hard for me to explain is look, I'm not doing this on purpose. Yes. I know we have tickets to the concert tonight, but if I haven't not, if I haven't been able to get out of bed for a week, if I haven't been able to brush my teeth in three days, if I haven't been able to come to the dinner table and don't think that I'm enjoying it, don't think that I'm lazy. Don't think that it's anything else. If we're looking for it, I think people think our people are attention seekers or dramatic. Right. And that is not, that's not the case with me. I mean, I can't be dramatic because I'm a girl, but that's not the case with me. No, you're not dramatic at all. That, that Whatever. never happens. Stop it. You're not emotional. Anyways, it's not your turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, okay, you want to talk about, it's postcards from hell. So you want to talk about the religious aspect of it. Um, <laughs> Laura almost smacked me. Um, we talked about this maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, and I was becoming Catholic, as you know. 
and um, a divine gift in the Catholic denomination is suffering. That's a divine gift. That's a gift bestowed up, uh, by God upon you. Thank you. God. And when I told her that, <laughs> when I told her that, she looked like she wanted to kill me. <laughs> she, she's like, "How dare you?" That. Yeah. I remember that. I said, I "That's a like, gift, what? Laura. That's a gift." And uh, okay, hear me out. As a person that could potentially be suffering from a similar thing, I can tell you, you can see because it is a gift in a way because you can see other people who are going through the same thing and pick up on it way better than anybody. People without depression cannot pick up on it. So it is a gift in that sense that you have the opportunity to help out other people um, that suffer through the same thing because n people who suffer through that are not going to be seen by people who have no idea what depression even is. There are people that I feel like I've been drawn to that are having a hard time and don't know what to do or even close friends um, that are having a hard time. And sometimes I feel like the words that I say, and I always mean what I say, um, really will touch them. And I feel like it makes a difference even for a minute in the way that they're thinking and feeling about themselves. Um, so I do believe that I do that. And I do believe that I do have a sense about that. I'm very, I'm an, even though I come, I can be bitchy. I I'm very much an empath. And I think that even if people will tell me, no, I'm all right. I'll be like, no, no, you're not. You got to think, you know, out of the six listeners that we have every week, <laughs> if one of them was depressed, this has to be an invaluable podcast and it's invaluable that you can come on here and talk about it uh, because more than a perspective than even me and Kev will have on the topic and how to deal with it and how to, and how to conquer it and um, what your day to day is and what you can expect. Uh, I hate to cut you off. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if you want to set anybody up for the idea that they're going to conquer this. Okay. I it's think, a journey. I think it's just a bad a, choice of words. Yeah. You, it's not, it's not like, okay, well you had this, here's a surgery. It's fixed. Go have a good day. It's not, it's a, that's what I'm trying to been trying to say. Basically this time is it creeps up on you, man. And I can feel it coming. I can feel it coming days ahead of time and you'll get that weird. Cause this is kind of how it started for me before I even got diagnosed is what the hell's wrong? I feel like I should be worried about something. I feel like I am worried about something. But what the hell is it? I can't figure it out. You go through but all this stuff. But you can find stuff. stuff to but they, right. <laughs> you can always find stuff, but you think there's really no reason for this fear. There's Nobody really I no love reason. is dead. I, I exactly. have a home. I've got a, a you know, I, I got a. Why am I not job. happy? Well, it feels like someone you love is dead. It feels, it's that same feeling. When you talk about crying all the time, and this is a huge confession for me. I don't think I've admitted it to anybody, but maybe Mandy. But when you're really in depression, I noticed for me, a weird trigger was a grocery store, the most innocuous of places. And I would go to that every single time I walk around the grocery store, yes, I would ball like, a bit, like I get choked up and I would like, I have to leave this friggin' store because I'm crying about what? potatoes aren't on sale the price of beef it's nothing i don't know what it is and it's years of going why the hell is it i can't go in a grocery store by myself i'll make sure i send this audio clip through our work email make sure everybody has this <laughs> I, yeah. I, well it doesn't happen to me anymore thank god did you did you find there's a trigger yes so um and this is this it takes years and years and years to kind of get through all this stuff but we went through a little bit of a hard time with my dad when he went through his disability so when and, and i think it was because of depression but back then you couldn't say, well, I'm going to take disability from General Motors for depression. <laughs> you People know? were like, yeah, you're milking that. Right, exactly. So he, when he took his depression for neck pain and arthritis and all that stuff, well, there was some financial difficulties. 
So then all of a sudden you have this family of four that we're going on vacations and we're going to Cedar Point and we're going to the movies and we're going to dinner and we're, you know, we're eating steak once a week and all over. There was no more money to do anything. And they had a talk with us like, it's going to get tight for a while. So my mom, God bless her soul, had to, we have to go grocery shopping. So my mom in her genius made it fun. And so we'd go to a different grocery store every week. Aww. She'd plan it out. And we'd go, and back then, samples were a big thing, you know what I mean? And we'd try this, we'd try that. And so she'd plan out the menus, and she taught me how to cook, and taught my brother how to cook. What a good mama. And so it was going to the store time, and that was our big outing. And we're little enough to where we're like, this is a ball. And I would learn, I know every grocery store in mid-Michigan, like the back of my hand. Like I can go anywhere, <laughs> like I work it up, I've been to all of them, you know? So I didn't know if anybody else who did that. And without thinking about it, you go in the grocery store, and grab a pack of hot dogs, pack of buns, but there's something. There's some smell, there's some sound, there's some lighting that subconsciously you didn't even realize you hit. And it's like, ah, I'm just done. You know, you're just yeah. shot. And you wonder why, why does this keep happening? Well, then you're forced to look back at your youth and then you find this little trigger like that. You go, my whole life, my whole life, I feel like I've been terrified of something. And the first time that a nice fucking stiff glass of whiskey takes effect and you don't feel fear, you don't even know you were scared until it's gone. I'm talking about an emotion that's so present all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't even realize you have it until you're in the absence of it. Yeah, 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 I know. And I have had days that it's not like I took any special medicine or did any special exercise, but occasionally, and it's great, I'll have days where I'll have a whole day where it's like, holy shit, is that what it's like? To feel normal. <laughs> oh my God. It's like everything looks different. It's like things you were worried about. You're like, that was really silly or whatever. It lasts for like one day and it's great. And then I'll be like, wow, this is life really isn't hard all the time. And the, yeah, it, it's, it's great. I don't know if you ever have those days where for whatever reason, all the time, yeah. all the time. And they come with, um, they come with, uh, understanding first and foremost, someone in my life giving me the room to deal with what I got to deal with yeah. uh, and letting me, letting me deal with that. But it also has come with finding a good doctor uh, who believes in medication. The problem is medication does wear off. Uh, eventually drinking is not going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. I, I quit drinking a while ago and started again. And it's been an on and off again thing. And simply because it works. Mike's hard. That's what he drinks. What? Mike's oh, hard. Mike's oh. hard. <laughs> no, yes, he drinks Mike's hard. He does. No. Anyway, so uh, so when you've anyway, that and white claws, big white claw fan. Those are terrible too. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. They have less sugar, and I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a real drinks. Millennials drinks. Millennials. But millennial drinks. I'm a gen. I'm a Gen Zer. Right. I'm tired of this millennial talk. You're a millennial, dude. I'm not millennial. Actually, I don't think he is a millennial. My daughter is. It's is just she's barely, the last year millennial. She's she's yeah. yes. I'm a Gen Zer, so fuck you, Kev. Gen How about Z? that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that even mean? I don't know. Your generation's so fucking old; they only have a name for it. It's just the beginning of time. Wait, I think that you're Gen X. Oh, excuse me. Gen X. <laughs> Gen <laughs> X is the better. Oh my gosh. Well, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, we got about an hour in, but great stuff today. I, I mean, I think this was really helpful. Um, I'm hope I'm Laura. I hope you had a great time coming. I know you're kind of nervous about it first. Um, it kind of gives people a different perspective, and you kind of have to speak your truth here. Um, so I hope you felt like that. Um, the way you feel does not mean that that's the way that life is, and that you're going to feel that way forever. There's hills. There's valleys. 
the biggest thing is you can't give up. You can't give up on reaching out to people, even if you don't want to, and you can't give up on keeping and finding help, even if it takes years, because that's what I did. And I never gave up. And I would say that uh, I'm way more self-aware and I like myself a lot more now than I, I used to feel like I was just worthless and tell myself, and I don't feel worthless anymore. I feel like I'm a worthwhile person. So that's a huge thing. See, so it, does, it is, it is possible. Finding the right therapist. You have your struggles, key. but it is possible. She had a totally different way of looking at it than any therapist that I ever had before. And it clicked. Well, guys, um, that's going to be this postcard. Um, next time, next postcard, guys, we're actually going to have another interesting topic. We're going to talk about advice. What's good advice? What's bad advice? Um, also, guys, real quick, um, for Ket or Ketsus's last words, if you guys need to get a hold of Laura, her phone number is um, 1 888 888 Big Bodie Ho. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything to say, Kev, before we wrap uh, up? I just want to thank you so much. It's a difficult topic and it takes a lot of courage. And uh, man, thank you so much for your time and your honesty. And yeah, if there's one takeaway that anybody should have from this, at least my struggle sounds like Laura's struggle, uh, it's, it's a process. It's a journey. It's it's treatment. It's not a cure. Don't flip out and give up. That's what my doctor says to me. Just don't give up hope. We'll, we'll keep working. We've got so many more avenues. we got so many more things because things stop working. The booze stopped working. The, the drugs stopped working. The being a wild man party guy stops working. It, it works. Well, we can go back to your religion. Sin is wonderful for a season. And so you can live that in a short amount of time, but uh, eventually it does wear off and you have to find something real, some real happiness, you know? Thank you, Kev, for that super long close. Uh, guys, till next postcard, talk to you then. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Bye, Felicia.